Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Younger Tentables podcast. And today is a very special episode because you have all three presenters from Living History UK. So you have myself, Pete Neal, Steve Davis and Don Blythe. And the reason that the three of us have come together for this podcast is the simple fact of we are organising a festival. So we are organising the Living History UK festival, which will be the 9th to 10th of April 2022. So, Dom, what groups are going to be attending this event? Well, first of all, thank you very much for having us on, Peter. Lovely to join yourself and Stephen. So, the groups we have attending the Living History UK Festival are, to start off with, we have the 2nd 95th and the 5th 60th Rifles. So, two separate groups, and they're both portraying uh, the Napoleonic Riflemen and uh, we also have the victorian association and um, so uh, they will be portraying the victorian soldier in the late 1870s 1880s so think uh, zulu war period and then moving on in time we have um we have a few world war one groups we have um west country tommy and then we have the Rifles Living History Society uh, portraying various aspects of the British soldier from the First World War. Uh, moving on, we have uh, the Ox and Bucks Living History Society, where they will be portraying um, the British, uh, well, the Ox and Bucks Light Infantry um, during the um, during the Battle of France. Um, so, 19, uh, British Expeditionary Force, nineteen forty. Uh, sticking with that 1940 theme, nine, uh, we have Tail and Charlie's, who will be portraying the Royal Air Force. Um, what exactly um, time frame of the war? Unsure, but hopefully it will be Battle of Britain. And then moving on in the war, we will have uh, A Company, 1st RTR, who will be portraying tank, uh, tankies, uh, British tankies uh, from... Uh, 
in Normandy in 1944, just after the D-Day landing, uh, D-Day landings um, during the Battle of the Bocage era, or uh, battles around that sort of time. And then we will have again later on in 1944, we have poor bloody infantry with their amazing signals display, airborne signals display, and they will be working in conjunction with Les Para who will be uh, training the uh, the SAS as um, when they were refitting um, just prior to the uh, crossing of the Rhine. Um, um, then we sort of switch it up a little bit, and then we're going to go over to the to the home front now, where we have the um, the Oxfordshire Home Guard. Um, a clue is on the name. They will be portraying the real Dad's Army, the uh, the Oxfordshire Home Guard. So you better watch out for them. Um, so that's it. That's the World War II groups finished. And then we're going to move on to the late 1950s with Asagai Rhodesia, who will be portraying um, troops, uh, uh, colonial troops uh, from the 1st Battalion Rhodesia Regiment during the turbulent period of the 1950s, specifically the Nyasaland emergency. And this now brings us up to modern day. We have C Company Op Herrick with their incredible display of vehicles and kit from the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts. Uh, as you can hear from that lineup, it is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, so all these groups that are coming are the top of their game. They are regarded as the best groups on the living history circuit, among the best living history groups on the circuit. Unfortunately, we couldn't get everybody in because of the size of the site. But um, that's the list. That, so all you can see from that list is you've got 200 years of the story of the British soldier from the Napoleonic Wars all the way up to the modern day. So, Steve, we've also got something else happening during the event. So not only have we got the living history displays where the public will interact with the uh, living historians at their various displays and also arena events as well. But what we've also got, we've also got lectures. Isn't that right, Steve? Indeed it is, Peter. You have been doing your homework, haven't you? Which is very encouraging, I have to say. But yes, we have a fantastic lineup. So we've heard, obviously, about the groups, which I have to say, every time I hear the groups that are attending, it is uh, rather exciting, to be honest. I do uh, get a little bit uh, excitable when I, I think the festival's only a few weeks away. But yes, the lineup of people providing uh, lectures is is star-studded, to be quite honest. It's um, got some real personalities in there. So We've got Ramsey Green. So Ramsey Green is, is, is a name that's synonymous with World War II and World War I, for that matter, rations, British Army rations. And he is going to be uh, enthralling us with a talk on the British Army rations of the Second World War. And he is the go-to uh, guru, shall we say, for all things 24-hour ration related. So for anybody who follows the Living History UK TikTok and um, you know the Living History UK uh, website. You see all the all the ration stuff we do on there. The majority of the of the research was done by Ramsey Green, so we've leaned on him very much for that. And he is providing a fantastic talk on World War Two rations. We also have some other personalities as well. So we have uh, Jake Brown, who's doing a talk at I believe it's quarter past ten, working off the top of my head, uh, both the Saturday and Sunday. He's doing a talk on Operation Sea Lion. So that is the um, the planned operation uh, invasion of mainland Britain by uh, the Germans during 1940, which was, of course, thankfully, uh, shelved. Um, but then we also have some other fantastic talks as well. We have Peter Neal, 
of course, of Young Contemptibles podcast fame and Living History UK fame, uh, providing a talk on the British Tommy of World War One. So if I'm right in saying, Pete, you're actually um, sort of charting the journey from 1914 through to uh, 1918, which is really um, quite exciting. So from there, we've got um, Laurie Alice as well. So for anyone who follows uh, Laurie on TikTok, we have uh, Laurie providing a sort of history lesson. I think it's going to be on uh, the code breakers at Bletchley Park, and it's going to be an interactive lesson too, which could be really, really good. Um, we also have Rifleman Moore, uh, so Simon Moore as we know him, and he'll be providing a talk on what's known as a domino effect. So think sort of Cold War and the Russian sort of uh, steamrolling through Eastern Europe into, you know, sort of France and Germany. Um, and he'll be providing a talk on that, which is something I'm really looking forward to because that's not something I particularly know that much about. And uh, we do have a talk on the um, the SAS in 1944-45, uh, so uh, refitting the, the, the Jeep uh, for the Ryan Crossing. Uh, that's uh, Dickie Bass who's doing that talk, which would be really good. Um, with, of course, a, a proper Jeep as well, which is even better. Um, you know, uh, kudos to the props department there. Uh, and then finally, um, you know, you've got myself doing a talk on the uh, Napoleonic soldier. So it's late 1790s into uh, sort of 1815 Battle of Waterloo, the journey of the red coats, the green coat, and uh, kind of everything in between in terms of tactics, uniform and weaponry, amongst others. Again, you can see here from that list, um, there's there's a lot going on over the course of that weekend. And what we've all, like was mentioned before was uh, arena events as well. So, Steve, you're sort of the events man on this. So uh, I'm going to jump on you once again uh, to talk about what, what's going on in the arenas. So for the arena um, sort of time slots, we've only got two. I say only got two, but we've got two uh, sort of in, installments, if you will, planned. So we've got the... Um, the Napoleonic guys, so the uh, 5th Battalion, 60th, uh, 1st Rifle Battalion, British Army, if anyone was wondering, um, and the 2nd Battalion, 95th, um, 1808 to 1815, they cover. They're going to be doing some uh, drill and firing in the in the arena in Skippins Field. Uh, and then we also have the Victorian um, sort of uh, crew, Victorian Association, as they are formerly known. Uh, so think kind of Zulu Wars, so anyone who's into... Battle of Rourke's Drift, film Zulu and so forth. That's the era they're going to be covering. And they're going to be providing a uh, drill and firing display. And uh, the culmination of the day will be um, a, a sort of a time tunnel, if you will, uh, where myself and Pete and hopefully Dom, if he's available, uh, will sort of run through the fighting British soldier of the past 200 years. So starting in the, in the Napoleonic era, going all the way through to the Victorians, World War One, World War Two. Uh, post-World War II and on to Iraq and Afghanistan. And just looking at the standard soldier, the uh, weapon system that they used that period, the uniform, uh, their sort of equipment um, system, so webbing or, uh, you know, the good old rifleman's level work of the Napoleonic era and kind of um, just give give people a real um, sort of um, physical rundown of the kit that's in front of them for the standard um, Joe Bloggs infantry soldier of each period. And once again, you can hear now is that that's the event in a nutshell, so to speak, for the events and the groups that are going to be there. Um, so it is an action packed weekend. There isn't going to be an, an hour where there isn't going to be something going on, because although we've got the lectures 
arena displays. We've also, like we say, it's because we because you're going to be dealing with living historians. They're going to be actively operating on their displays as well. So you could go up to their display and something could be happening. So it could be someone could be cooking something, woodwork, something like that. So if you go to the Napoleonic era, you could you could possibly have a bloke sat there cobbling as well. So there's a lot of things will be going on on those displays that aren't actually been scheduled into the event. So obviously this event is being held at Chilton Open Air Museum. And we were lucky enough to get this venue because one of the Living History UK cast um, is a volunteer there. So, Dom. Hello, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you called? So, yeah, I did. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Dom's a volunteer at Chilton Air Museum, and he has been for many years now. Um, and obviously it's through him that we managed to secure this venue and um, and all, and help sell it to them that were that, about this idea that we had on putting the Living History UK Festival together. So from a museum point of view, Dom, um, obviously you're you're the link man between us and the museum. So roughly how many tickets have been sold so far for the event? Well, Pete. So far, the uh, the figures are, I believe, off the top of my head, around 148 tickets have been sold to the public so far. Unlike most events at the museum, you can't just turn up on the day and and um, get a ticket on the on the gate, so to speak. You have to buy the tickets online, which can be found on the museum's website. Um, so yeah, 148 tickets have been sold so far. And that has been, uh, the tickets have been released uh, for purchase for about two weeks now, which means that just over 10 tickets a day are being sold, which is an incredible figure. And um, this is um, down to uh, to Steve's marketing, um, the, the campaign on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. It's, um, it's certainly aided in these uh, fig- uh, sales figures. And um, of course, the museum's own stuff as well. I mean, the the museum itself has been established. Well, it was it was set up in 1975, and it's uh, in Chalfont St Giles, just outside of Amersham, um, just um, near the M25 and the M40. So it's it's been established for a long time, and um, and so it's it's got a, a, a pre-existing clientele. It's how it's got people who have season tickets. Uh, that they call friends of the museum, so they have a devoted set of um, of people that like to go there. And I'll be volunteering at the museum. It's really not uncommon to see the same faces, the same families, the same individuals. Either every, sometimes every weekend, every other weekend, every month. And there's these people. They even you know you can walk around the, or the museum as much as you like, but it's it's this established um, community that the museum itself has, um, where that is dedicated to the museum. And I just think as well that this event is bringing something huge to the museum. I mean, I I crunched the numbers and worked out um, if every group um, brings what what they what they have said they've done. There's going to be in almost 120 odd reenactors if again if that's the ideal figure if we're taking 
um, what the groups have said they are going to bring. So 100, 120 reenactors. I mean, off the top of my head, I cannot remember the last time the museum itself had um, an event this large. The last one I can remember when I was a kid, my first time at the museum, and it was a huge, um, I believe it was a sealed knot, and they had a they had a large battle there, so big, in fact, that there wasn't actually a place in the museum to do said battle. They had the camp um, in and around the museum, but they actually had to use the overflow car park, i.e. a whacking great big field next to the museum to be able to have the battle itself. And that's the last time an event of this scale has been done at the museum. And I, I think that was part of the selling factor to the museum itself um, was to try and bring back some of them, especially, for, as I said, the, the, the older community from the museum, try and bring back some of that older spirit that the museum once had. So this museum has, uh, sorry, the event has provided this perfect opportunity for that. And it's an A-class event. And the museum, as soon as soon as I, I, I told them to it, they, they ate it all up. Um, and I've had nothing but support from the museum. It's all hands on deck so far. Um, in terms of the the permanent staff members and the volunteers at the museum, it's all hands on deck, um, and they are they're really really excited to have us, and and we are all excited to be there. So uh, yeah, and obviously without the two of you, it, it really wouldn't it wouldn't be possible. So um, yeah, from from myself, the representative of the museum, uh, to my other two colleagues in Living History UK, I would like to say thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast and you want to help us to keep the podcast going, then please back and support us on Patreon. You can join from just £1 a month and you'll unlock loads of bonus content. Hit the link in our bio and join now to help keep the podcast alive. And welcome back to this episode of the Younger Tentables podcast. So we are talking about the Living History UK Festival. Um, so we've gone through... Uh, when it is which we'll also go over again at the very end of the uh program um what groups are attending what lineup there is but why are we actually doing this so i think the best person to ask this question to would be steve so steve what why, why are we doing this so we are doing this for a number of reasons so mainly as a living historian and i know that dom and Pete are going to think, yep, it's exactly that. And many of the, the guys and girls who are coming to the event will be um, sort of mindful of this as well. Whenever you have big events, we're not going to name any events in case there's any lawsuits impending. Um, it, it, the, the events are put on because venues want to make money. They want to cram as many people in as possible. And they aren't necessarily that fussed about, well, typically, about the experience of, of the visitor. They just want um, you know, big taglines, Loads of guns going bang, artillery pieces. You know, it sounds good actually, doesn't it? Um, and all that kind of stuff. And there's no real focus on like the visitors' experience and and like the educational aspect of it. It's very much a uh, many events, not all, but many. Turn up, grab a burger off the van, help yourself to an overpriced pint of um, flat cider, um, and you know, watch a battle, learn nothing about it, and then just go home. And that's kind of what we've the the rut that living history and reenacting's got into over the past uh, sort of four or five years. Uh, well, pre-COVID, that is. And I, th I, I thought, wouldn't it be great to have an event? Now, 
you always hear this event for reenactors by reenactors. I'm always very skeptical when I hear that because it usually means that someone's after something. But I kind of thought, well, what about a living history event for living historians? And I thought that's actually got quite a bit of legs in it because if we can get the right venue with the right groups, um, bear in mind all the all the groups that Dom's mentioned, of course, have been you know specifically handpicked. We could have a really special event. We could tie that in with having some some lectures uh, from people who actually genuinely know their stuff and. We can, we can give you a cast, cast iron guarantee right here, right now, that if you're coming to visit the festival, you would definitely learn something having come to it because you're going to be able to get up close and personal with living historians. You're going to be able to see the kit that they use up close and personal. You're going to be able to sit in on, uh, on lectures and learn about specific bits of British military history over the past couple of hundred years. And you will go home having definitely learned something and seen things that you haven't seen before and understand how you know, weapons and kit works and how, you know, troops put their equipment on and how they worked in the field. And that is something that you don't really get from a, a typical event. So it's always been a passion of mine to put decent events on for, you know, living historians. But actually, I thought, wouldn't it be great to put an event on, not just for the living historians, but for providing a visitor experience like no other. So there's no kind of events that have got um, that kind of, um, let's say, uh, interesting aspect to it that this this event's going to have. So it's, it's going to be really exciting. I am really, really looking forward to it. And um, hopefully you both agree with this sort of sentiment behind the event in terms of, you know, it is a, an event by living historians for living historians. Yes, I, I totally agree agree with that um, with that sentiment there, Steve. Yeah, the uh, the existing stigma and uh, potential superstition behind that uh, behind that phrase, um, a re- uh, event for reenactors by reenactors. But I don't think uh, exactly we're taking that that approach. So I'm in, really looking forward to it, and just the um, hope. Well, hopefully we can just in general make a difference in the hobby with um, the incredible event that we have planned. Yes, I agree with both of you because, um, yeah, it's like Steve said, it you do get these events where they say it's uh, by living historians or by reenactors for the reenactors, and it's not really um, in the grand scheme of things because if it's done by people who actually do it, then you'd be better looked after on site, so to speak. Um, you know, because we, because as as a living historian or reenactor, you'd know what will make a good event for yourselves obviously you're turning up doing your thing but there's like the way the site thing they make things more comfortable for you and actually make it feel like it is a proper living history event um so yeah that's so yeah so everything everything that steve said basically <laughs> that's uh that's my answer so that oh that brings us on quite nicely to what is what 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 are we looking forward to the most from this event well there's a number of things i'm looking forward to but we'll do a bit of a whistle stop talk because we'll be here for a long time otherwise um the first thing i'm looking forward to the most is is seeing uh, uh hearing and smelling uh black powder going off again because it's been too long since uh I've seen, uh, you know, Baker rifles and or infantry rifles, as should be called, um, and brown based muskets being being fired. So that that would be a real nice thing to see, smell, and hear again. Um, I'm really looking forward to Ramsey Green's talk uh, on rations. I, I know I'll definitely learn some fruit from it, and you know, he's just a great guy all round. Uh, absolute, um, you know, absolute uh, mountain of knowledge, a fondable knowledge in, in all things sort of Russian. 
But above all else, the one thing I'm really, really looking forward to is seeing all my mates again, because it has been so long since we've had a big event where we've all come together. And I've got, you know, mates in all these groups who are going. Yes, we had the Lord Mayor show in November, but it's been so long since we've had a proper, decent event where it's been multi-period. Um, it, it obviously has been pre-COVID. So we're talking, you know, 2019, really, since we had a, a big event. So the, the one thing I'm really looking forward to is having uh, a social time with all my mates again, meeting new people, uh, people from TikTok who, you know, followed the account and you know, followed our, our journey so far, meeting them. Um, but also, I have to give a special sort of, uh, you know, doth of my cap, shall I say, to the, the cheeky China. And I'm not going to spill too many beans on that because that's a bit of a, a treat for the living historians on the Friday and Saturday night. And maybe uh, Dom could even allude to that. Um, when he tells us about what he's looking forward to the most for the festival. Yeah, I completely agree. Because what a lot of people don't know is that the living history community is is what it is. It is a community. And people like ourselves, where we've done the rounds in the time, done done the rounds in the time periods, um, we know quite a lot of people in all these different uh, periods. So it is, it is going to be really good to meet those uh meet all those old friends again so dom what are you looking forward to well i think steve uh, took a little bit of wind out of my sails there in regards to the cheeky china um <laughs> and what an incredible experience it was going it is going to be so asagai rhodesia at um at the festival will have a 1956 dated um Bedford RL. It's uh, it's been fully restored and paintwork is currently in the works on it, and it's going to be a little bit of an establishment, or as um, those all you know, the cheeky China Bar and Grill, where in the evening on the Saturday night, living historians from whatever period will congregate and imbibe in laughter, music, and um, of course uh, a little tipple. And overall, some jolly, jolly japes to be enjoyed throughout all of those who are attending. It's, um, or as Jack, who owns uh, the Cheeky China, will describe it as is the lorry pub. Uh, and again, we are all looking forward to it. And, um, and for myself, apart from um, everything that Stephen's already uh, mentioned, um, in, in myself, um, looking forward to the event. Oh, well, just looking forward to getting back to a nice big event such as this, engaging with the public and spreading the stories um, from of, of history and um, and just just get my teeth sunk in and stuck in and um, yeah, just engaging with the public. It's going to be an incredible event. I'm just yeah, that is what I'm looking forward to the most. Most of the cheeky china. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I saw, I saw you've been going on about it in it the last couple of weeks. It's just the cheeky China. <laughs> so I hope it, hope it lives up to it. I hope it lives up to the uh, build-up, Dom. <laughs> yeah, so I think the things I'm looking forward to the most, um, apart from seeing old friends again, is the Chris's cooking as well. He's a, he's, he's a very good chef, is our, is our Chris. Um, so this was one of the ideas that we had uh, when we were saying this is an event for, uh, you know, uh, this is an event 
by living historians, for living historians. Um, and one of the logistic things that is a bit of a nightmare sometimes is feeding the people in your group. Um, Cause it's always put down onto one person to sort out. Um, then it's the cooking it and all that. So we thought, hang on a minute. Well, how about we have like a offer, a central catering um, where people can, you know, they'll pay us to do it as in the sense of it's three meals a day. Um, it's all, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, so all the groups come back to us with their money for the kitty and everyone that's paid into the kitty will get fed for that weekend. And uh, like I said, Chris is a qualified chef and he's a very, very good cook. But he's also, what he's doing is, he's actually doing it all on uh, a soya stove as well. So he's actually incorporating it almost into, his, uh, into the display as well which will be really, really good. Um, I'm also looking forward to meeting the YouTube followers and the TikTok followers and the Young Contentable podcast followers as well. So everybody that's been uh, listening or watching our work, is um, it'll be quite good meeting everybody. And because um, we don't bite. <laughs> so we do encourage you all to come and say hello to us. Um, so we, we will be quite busy over the course of the weekend, but please, you know, if you see us, stop, literally stop us dead in our tracks and say hello. <laughs> Even if it looks like we're rushing somewhere. <laughs> and it's crazy as well to think that the, it's only a couple of weeks away. And it's, it was only, only yesterday I had a delivery uh, of the banners and the uh, posters uh, arrive and it's all become so real i mean it, it's only been in the in the sort of pipeline for i think it must be about eight months now we've been talking about it and getting it planned but it seems to come round round all of a sudden and you know we're what three weeks away from the actual festival now which is crazy to think really exciting it's going to be absolutely awesome it's going to be great to see everyone and i have to say when you said you're looking forward to chris's cooking uh pete i thought who the blooming hell's chris I don't know, Chris, who cooks? What, who's that? And then I realised you're on about Chuckles. And I thought, bloody hell, it's Chuckles, of course, who we have to say is an, abso is an absolute legend. And I'm looking forward to sampling his uh, fine Michelin-style food at the festival. So do stop by and take a peek at what he's conjuring up. Yes, the uh, banners have arrived. I'm really impressed with the banners, I have to say. Um, yeah, because the uh, design sort of got knocked together and uh, sent off. And uh, literally, they come within the week. I think it, yeah, it probably wasn't even a week, was it, Steve? It was like literally a matter of days. We sent the order off to him and it come and it came back. Who was it who did those banners for us, Steve? So I'm not sure if he needs to uh, remain anonymous or not. It depends if he's on the run or not currently. I think Dom might be the best person to elaborate, but it's definitely worth saying a huge thank you to him uh, for designing them. And of course, yes, they were designed and then delivered well, designed, ordered, delivered in that order, of course, uh, all within the space of about five days. So that is a you know testament to the fantastic tenacity of uh, that uh, young man. Dom, can he remain uh, anonymous or does he need to have his name out there in the public domain? That is the question. His name needs to be heard. His name is Ned Framingham and he is a member of Asagai Rhodesia. He's one of my lads. He has done a load of graphic design work for Asagai Rhodesia and... Um, and so when we were 
when when the event was in dire need of of such uh, of such artwork etc and designing do it for it i knew just the man to go for him. and hopefully well this uh, this, uh, this this aspiring young man is a uh, is um in the, in the need uh, uh, to be to be heard and hopefully he can make uh, some sort of career out of it so yeah ned framingham uh, did uh, did the banners and the posters for the event and my 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 what an incredible job he did and we you know from the three of us i just like to say ned thank you so much for doing this you in in the in in our in our hour of need you stepped up to the mark and you delivered you delivered so so much an incredible um, incredible set of design so thank you very much ned and hopefully this time we won't fire your hat out of a mortar <laughs> absolutely he did uh, he's done outstandingly he really he really has um when those designs came through when we sort of said well this is what we're looking for and then he just come back with what he did i was like yeah this is amazing um so then that obviously got sent off to steve and then he sent them off to the uh manufacturers which was vista print if i remember right and it's steve vista print vista print vista print it was indeed uh vista print there's no paid partnership if anyone's wondering so where uh, they haven't paid us we've actually paid them uh, to make them but very reasonably priced and they are in our custody now and they will be featured at the festival and there is on the banner a uh, yeah, very large photo of me in Coldstream circa 1815 kit. Pete Neal in Oxen Books kit circa 1940. Um, do feel free to draw a moustache on uh, Pete Neal. Uh, I'm only joking, please don't, because we'll use it for next year. Uh, then the posters have uh, have Don Blythe gracing them. So uh, all three of us do feature on the uh, advertising for the festival, and they will be dotted around the museum. So uh, obviously, if you come into the event, um you know if you're not coming to the event why aren't you uh, i'm only joking of course but seriously though, when you come to the event there will be the banner up so do you get your photo next to it pop it on uh you know instagram uh, facebook and, and put a little tiktok video up as well if you visit tag us in it that'd be great i'd uh, love to love to know what you guys think of the of the festival and your experience of it what you learned what you saw um and of course we will have uh, some posters dotted around the museum with the, the timings of the events that are happening uh, on both days, whether it's a talk or an arena display, uh, you'll be able to get all the information from the uh, from the posters. Yeah, it's amazing to think that it's it the time has come round so quickly because this has been eight eight nine months in the planning, and um, and we're what probably about three weeks away now. Um, yeah, it's just mad, and it reminds me of the trench event where that took a year for us to plan it, and it just came round so quickly. So before we know it, our boots are going to be on the ground and we're going to be directing all the different living history and start the event. So with that, I think that draws this episode nicely to an end. Um, so the event is on the 9th to the 10th of April 2022. Tickets are available on the Chiltern Museum website. Uh, that's Chiltern Open Air Museum website. And the link to uh, getting those tickets will be on this podcast also. So until next time, thank you for joining us and see you soon. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.